Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello! Welcome. This is a new spin on autism answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, also known as the Brain Broad. I know you thought I was going to say otherwise known as. I tricked you. You know these little little changes in life that keep you on your toes. It's important. Besides, <laughs> so you know that old used to be Asperger's part of me. Every once in a while, I learn something a certain way, and it's like years later when I figure out that I learned it incorrectly. And so I've already corrected this a few times on the show, but I'm still apparently going back to the beginning and thinking of AKA as meaning otherwise known as, which there is no O in AKA, so I have no idea why I got it that way, but I got it that way. So um, also known as the Brain Broad. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Today's going to be an interesting show. We have not talked about pandas in the past, although I have several clients dealing with it and dealing with it from a bunch of different modalities. So it'll be fun to dig into that. We're going to be talking with Dr. Angela Lemke. I'll tell you about her in a second. But don't forget to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And Mother's Day will have passed already when this show airs. So I forgot to offer up a gift for Mother's Day. So here's what I'm going to offer, anything I have. So you can go onto my website at brainbody.net. Take a look at my products, uh, my books, or my CDs, or, you know, audio book, whatever you want. Some of it's already up for free, some of it isn't. I even have a $200 product called Fix It in Five, so if you're smart, you'll pick that one. Anyway, I'm going to give it away, whatever is asked for, uh, to the first person that emails me belated Mother's Day in the subject line. And just send it to my personal email at mom number four. Ever, E-V-E-R-M-O-R-E. So it reads, Mom Forevermore at Juno. That's Juno, not, G- not Gmail. Juno, J-U-N-O dot com. Okay, so a belated Mother's Day gift. Sounds awesome. What I will not give you <laughs> is a free outreach. That's way too much of my time and way too many thousand dollars lost. I'm still trying to recoup from going to Israel and doing Fix It in Five there. So that's coming along nicely. That family's doing well. And uh, we are in the middle of our edits of Family 2. We're at about a rough cut of episode five. So we're real excited. Everything's rolling along. I want you to keep your ears and eyes out uh, for that because when it's available, I will be sending out information. Okay, okay, okay. The great guest giveaway is the belated Mother's Day thing. So that's it. Stories from the Road is going to happen. Stories from the Road, where I will somehow... Find a story in my bag of tricks that will match Dr. Lemke's stories or will augment them or will fill in the gap. So I promise to make it all make sense. The question of the day is pandas and chelation. And I'm going to ask that of Dr. Angela. 
um, in a bit. But first, we want to get her sort of her background, her story, her outlooks, and all that stuff. And then I'm going to throw that in the mix, and we'll see what we get. All right. So let's start with a big, huge welcome. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Angela Lemke. She's a natural. She's a naturopath doctor, homeopath, and certified CEAS, C-E-A-S-E, we'll ask, we'll ask her what that means, practitioner who specializes in the treatment of ASD, PANDAS, and other chronic childhood ailments using homeopathic medicine. She works very closely with families over Skype to find the best matching remedies to heal their child and also believes that healing a child can require the healing of the whole family and I agree with that and so I really was torn between do we want to talk about the whole family approach because that's the way I do it and then we just sort of have a free-for-all between us about oh yes and oh yes and or do we want to get into her expertise of pandas so I think we're going to do a little of both but we'll really focus on pandas I think all right well but who knows who knows who knows where it'll go all right so let's start by saying a big hello hello Dr. Angela Lemke and thank you for being here do you prefer the full title or would you like us to just call you Dr. Angela, or how do you like it to be done? Actually, um, it's just Angelica. Um, oh my God! I'm see, I'm doing it wrong right off the top. So let's hear you say your name so they can say it properly. It's okay. It's Angelica Lemke, and thank you for having me. And really, most of my patients just call me Angelica, so you can just call me Angelica. <laughs> right, with the accents in the right places. <laughs> okay. Um, and what is CEAS? C E A S E. Um, CEAS is a homeopathic protocol for removing the um, any kind of damages from vaccines. It's um, it's a protocol whereby you're giving um, increasing strengths of homeopathic remedies to um, really balance out the body's response to um, any vaccines and residual vaccine damage. Okay, so, and so let's let's start with something that I know that a lot of people don't know what homeopathy is. They don't understand the com- concept of homeopathic medicine. So why don't we start with that? Yeah, sure. So homeopathic medicines are um, are low dilutions of plant, animal, or mineral substances, or sometimes even substances from tissues of the body or pathogens. Um, they're specially prepared in homeopathic pharmacies where they um, are kind of creating an energy imprint of that plant, animal, mineral, or, or pathogen. Um, and um, that creates a homeopathic remedy. Um, homeopathic remedies are usually made into medicating tinctures that are then put on sucrose pellets. So when you buy them at Whole Foods or Walmart um, or at the health food store, um, they're usually sold in vials, and you you open up a vial and you'll you'll see little white pellets. So those are the pellets that carry um, a, a medicating solution of a homeopathic remedy. So um, yeah. Okay, so let's just, just for the sake of people who are really new to the concept, it sounds a lot like when they hear what a vaccine is and that a vaccine is you take a little bit of whatever the problem was, never mind all the other things like the toxins in there and the, you know, the flesh they grew it on and all that stuff. But the concept that was originally sold to us about vaccines was a, a diluted amount of a problem, a virus of some kind, and then it's put into our body so our body gets soldiers to fight it and gets stronger and knows how to fight it. Homeopathy is very different. When you say dilution, you mean dilution to the point where it's almost like, well, actually the medicine is gone, but the energy imprint has remained. And that's a concept that's hard for people to wrap their heads around sometimes. Can we just hone in on 
that for a minute so they don't confuse the two ideas. Yeah, I mean, your rationale behind the idea of like a small dose of something um, helps the body accommodate to that thing, the rationale that's used in vaccines is similar to homeopathy, but it is much different. A vaccine is prepared a whole lot differently than um, a homeopathic remedy. A homeopathic remedy will be diluted um, a lot. So, you know, it's like you'll take, say you have a, a mineral and you put one teaspoon of the mineral in like two cups of water and then you shake it up and then you, you know, you dilute that water some more and then you shake it and then you dilute that water some more to the point where there's really not much of the substance still left. There may be micro, 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 micro amounts of it, but what you're left with is more of what's what you would think of as like the energetic imprint, the pattern of that. Um, and when you treat the body at that level, it treats the resonance um, and the vibration of the body. So if you if you look at the body as as an energy body, um, as the way that say quantum physics is looking at the body as opposed to just a bag of chemicals, you know, um, then you can understand how homeopathy would work um, because it's really working at that quantum level. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. I, I know there's a lot of confusion on that, and I really appreciate you clearing it up. Okay, so now we know what that is. <laughs> what is a naturopath? A naturopathic doctor is um, it's a licensed medical provider in, I think, like 13 or 15, maybe more states um, in the United States um, where we go to a medical school um, like a regular medical school where we have the sciences and we have, we cut up a cadaver, but instead of using, um, um, instead of learning about about drug therapy and surgical therapy, we're learning herbs, nutrition, homeopathy, um, herbs, nutrition, homeopathy, physical medicine. Um, so it, it really is a nice option for people um, to go see a naturopathic doctor if you're looking for a natural alternative. There are states uh, that haven't licensed it, but there are still naturopathic doctors in those states. So. Uh, you can go to the um, the AANP website if you want to look for one, which is the Association of Naturopathic Physicians. Awesome. And how did you end up specializing in ASD and PANDAS? I think it just came to me, you know, I, in terms of what you're supposed to do in life, things sometimes just naturally roll in your direction, and it definitely feels like it was... Um, a calling at some point where I realized, wow, this is really just showing up in my path. And um, really my practice just naturally moved in that direction. I, I had the opportunity to work with um, within a practice that was seeing a lot of ASD. And, um, and then it just evolved for me on its own. Um, and it's a very challenging diagnosis to work with. I had um, a lot of compassion for it and interest in it because of its complexity. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kept going further and further with it. Um, and I've learned a lot. I definitely have a lot that I could share. Awesome. Well, we want to hear some of it. Um, and when you think in terms of ASD and PANDAS, do you see them? Because I know that a lot of times people are just 
diagnosed as having a spectrum disorder, and then later they find out they have PANDAS, and then there's a lot of argument and confusion. Well, is it PANDAS? Is it uh, autism spectrum disorder? Is it both? So what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. I think oh, and please tell them what PANDAS is. Well, PANDAS is an acronym that stands for um, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder, um, and often it's associated with uh, suppressed strep infection, but nowadays they're kind of changing the acronym also to just PANS, P-A-N-S, which um, is is taking the strep out of the picture, and it's just pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric um, syndrome, I believe. Why? Um, well, because it's not, it, it, the feeling on it is that it's not just strep related, that um, PANS is, um, is any kind of, um, you know, uh, disorder within the immune system that could be caused by Lyme. Uh, Coxsackie, viral infections, mycoplasma, and so a lot of doctors working um, with with within that diagnosis are doing um, uh, testing, um, immune testing, to show that kids don't have just um, uh, an imbalanced response to strep, but to all sorts of infections. So, okay, so but in order to be considered as having PANS or PANDAS, uh, would you have to be able to test somebody and come up with some bacterial or viral infection that has stayed in the gut or somewhere in the body? Most likely, you're, you are going to see it, and you'll see some maybe some autoimmune antibodies to strep, but it's not a gold standard. You know, all medical testing is never, you know, so perfect. So there are kids who show all the symptoms of pandas and seem to have the picture of it, but things aren't showing up perfectly on lab tests. So you kind of have to go with a combination of lab testing plus um, the story and the symptomatic picture of the child. Okay, so why don't you help us get clear on that? What's the difference between, um, you know, the symptoms of the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, ASD includes a spectrum, right? And I, and for me, it's just all part of a spectrum of sick kids, you know, yeah, chronically. Me too. <laughs> and that's it, you know. Um, you know, I, working with ASD, they're so broadly different. It's it's really just these bucket diagnoses. Um, the similarities are that there's um, toxicity in our environment and in our kids affecting them, and there's also an immune system that isn't able to properly respond to infections that's somewhat kind of off-kilter. So, um, so maybe that's the main underlying um, reality among pandas and ASD. Beyond that, every kid is really different, you know. Um, but but to get to the core of it, both pandas and ASD have to do with, um, uh, for most kids, a, a malfunctioning immune system, and um, and addressing that immunity um, gets to the core of addressing a lot of the core symptoms of kids. And I would say a lot of ASD kids have some sort of pandasy picture, um, and, and parents aren't realizing that. Um, with pandas, the, the, the kind of stricter definition is that there's a, that the child is kind of neurotypical and normal, and then they just hit this kind of 
uh, fall off the cliff, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're defiant and their math skills go down and their handwriting goes off and they are, um, you know, mood swinging. And so it's like they go from, from everything's going easy peasy to just a crash. And sometimes that happens after an infection or a round of antibiotics or something like that. Whereas you don't see that necessarily in ASD because kids are already kind of decompensated in ASD. So you could have an ASD kid who doesn't have the strongest immune system and then, you know, they get a strep infection and then they kind of become more defiant, but you're not seeing it as pandas or strep. Um, Because it's kind of lost in all of the other ASD stuff. Right, right. It's just uh, sort of turning up incrementally or, or in a different area, but exactly. in, the, in the original one, you're seeing a big, huge change. What about after a trauma? So let's say that you have someone who just appears to be sort of ASD, and um, then there's something traumatic that happens, and you see it fall off the cliff. Is it possible that they were pandas, but they were sort of, you know, handling it, and then the trauma, given the changes that that creates, that cascade of changes in the body, um, and in the brain would make it so that they now can't control or handle the problem with the pandas and then the stress of the event also adds to a drop in the immune function and boom, it looks like pandas and it was it was an onset from the trauma but they'd already had it. Is that something you've seen? That's totally possible. I guess that just depends on how you define trauma. You know, a trauma could be like your favorite grandmother dying, you know, and so it's like if you have a series, say, of emotional traumas that are a bunch of deaths, which kind of impact you emotionally, and when your emotions are impacted, you, it does weaken your immune system, and it, do, it totally impacts the lungs, the throat, grief needs to be expressed. All the neurochemicals, all, all of the, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, it's your calcium, your magnesium, your everything, it, it's all impacted. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so, yeah, there's, you know, usually trauma um, kind of manifests on some sort of emotional level as grief or sadness or anxiety. And, yeah, that absolutely directly impacts the immune system. Right. I was, it would just be such a complicated picture to, to, to try and tease out. Does it matter? That's why I brought up the possibility of that example. Does it really matter if you figure out whether it's pandas-driven or whether it's ASD, just immune system? I mean, it's, it all is the same sort of you treatment, know, is it not? Yeah, diagnosis doesn't really matter, you know, and because and, um, it's, it's really just trying to find what's uniquely going on with the child. And a diagnosis is just a bucket label. Um, so, you know, maybe it can help with, uh, I, I don't know, I think maybe if there's some parents that are getting like IVIG treatments, you know, which are these um, these um, intravenous um, injections of immunoglobulin and insurance needs to cover that and then insurance needs a diagnosis. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you might need like a diagnosis for that reason. Um, but, but overall, um, in, in really getting to the root of treating kids, um, you really have to look at them individually. Um, I prefer not to, you know, find diagnoses. That's not my shtick. <laughs> yeah, it's not mine either. Thank you. I, I like to just look at the person and say, what is your problem? And let's help with it. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, maybe a, a 
client or a story before we go to break, and then we'll come back and we'll kind of shoot around chelation because I want to talk about that a little with the professional. So I'm going to grab you to do that. Um, <laughs> all right, so do you have a story? This is a story show. It's always nice if you can tell us about a client that, you know, got better or got a lot better or was helped or the family got happy, whatever. Yeah, sure. I just pulled up a little case study of a simple, um, straightforward case of a panda's child who was five years old. Um, his name is Austin. And um, his story starts uh, over two years previous to him seeing me. Um, maybe around three years old, he starts having difficulty engaging other children in play, difficulty focusing, incessant talking, high energy running into things, um, he gets a lot of infections and he gets uh, about 10 rounds of antibiotics for different acute infections, um, especially for swollen throat, tonsils. Um, and he goes to sensory processing therapy, social skills development, they kind of help but not really. And then um, all of a sudden he kind of... Um, develops symptoms of frequent urination, followed by a fever. Um, his food intake decreases. His tonsils get even more inflamed. Uh, and then after this, he's, he's basically still sick. Uh, uh, rounds of negative thoughts start to enter him. Um, he starts to have persistent negative thoughts, um, like and becoming more defiant, more rude, name calling, pushing, poking. His thoughts are kind of like here, let me read it. Um, you don't love me, I hate myself, that kind of you know, I'm a bad child, I'm a bad person, that type of thing. Okay. So, um, th to me, he basically what he was struggling with at, in this illness was a strep infection. And, um, and he was put on antibiotics. They don't help. Um, he um, consistently kind of started having more meltdowns, more defiance, more negative thoughts. And um, so what I gave him was the homeopathic remedy from strep called streptococcinum. It's a homeopathic remedy that um, is available at some pharmacies but may not be available to buy for the public to buy. Um, it depends on where you search for it. Um, but I gave him the homeopathic remedy called streptococcinum, and it immediately helped him. Um, he's no longer having um, negative thoughts. Some of his thoughts were, I'm thinking about someone killing me. I'm thinking I don't want to kill myself. Um, why aren't I the best? I'm not the best. Um, that type of thing. So that wow. goes away wow. right away. And um, he just And in of, traditional medicine, he'd have just been given some kind of antipsychotic or... Exactly. Yeah. Or they'll do behavioral therapy. Right. You know, or both. Yeah, antipsychotic or behavioral therapy or both. And I think there are a lot of kids in the United States who've gotten so many rounds of antibiotics and their immune system is now not really dealing with that infection properly anymore. And they're seen as behavioral psych kids. But what's, what's the problem is that their immune system is not dealing with an infection under the surface. So, um, so we give homeopathic strep remedy. I also give him what's called a constitutional remedy, which is a remedy to address the underlying 
constitution or personality traits of the child. Um, I gave him a remedy called Calcarea Carbonica, uh, and um, and he just kind of balances out over a period of six weeks or so. Um, he, he starts to develop skin rashes, which is part of some type of detoxification that he goes through. And um, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. You are listening to a new spin on autism answer. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known, ah, also known as, also known as the Brain Broad. And today's awesome. We are talking with uh, someone who may be the one who's more brain broad than me. I mean, she's given us some really good information, so we're real excited. Angela Lemke. Uh, Angelica. <laughs> By the way, Angelica, I do have like this name thing, so I think my, my audience just laughs their head off when I forget somebody how to pronounce somebody's name, so it's just part of our joke, sort of our inside thing. Anyway, stay to the very end of the show where you will hear stories from the and okay, 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 the great guest giveaway, which I already told you what it is. Okay, we are back, and we are going to talk a little bit about chelation and um, and pandas, and you know, what, how long should someone chelate? Do you believe in it? Uh, I just let's throw this subject around. I have a couple of challenging clients uh, that have really sort of grabbed onto this to try and help their child with pans, and um, and I'm really wanting your take on it. So just. Tell me what you think. Chelation as relates to PANS or autism or just in general? Let's just start with in general. Yeah. Um, I think that it's appropriate. I think it's an appropriate response for a lot of kids. And um, it's just a matter of how to do it safely, how to do it, um, it at the right time, you know. And for ASD, PANS, PANS, let's just say the whole spectrum, um, it's, it, there's a, there's many layers that are um, at the root of trying to heal the child. There's diet. There's there's yeast. There's bacteria. There's viruses. There's the, you know healing the gut. There's heavy metals. There's vaccines. There's the the mental and emotional picture of the parents, which get projected into the child. I mean, the list could go on and on. All of the things that the child has inherited sounds exhausting, but if you are able to hone into your kind of your gut intuition and um, and target what exactly it is that's bothering the child in the moment, you're able to follow a path of healing that works. Um, I would say for when it has to do with heavy metals, and I work a lot uh, with with that in a lot of kids. Um, I do think that testing is helpful. Um, there's three types of testing: you can do hair, urine or um, blood. Um, pretty much nobody does blood. Um, Urine-provoked testing is what's supposed to be the most accurate, meaning you take a form of chelation like DMSA, and then you pee into a bucket for 24 hours, and then they analyze that. Um, but most parents do hair testing um, and find that hair testing works fine for them, and that's the easiest. So um, that's what I see the most is hair tests. Um, so I, I do think that there are nice guidelines to at least tell you what the burden is and, and a place to start. If if you're seeing zero or not much, then you know why you know go down that path. Um, 
And then I guess your options for chelation, if you do see high heavy metals, are um, most parents are doing, um, that I've worked with and that I've seen, AC chelation, um, the Andy Cutler protocol. Um, that seems to be, it's like a low dose um, but but frequent dosing um, of alpha lipoic acid and maybe something else that I'm not remembering. Um, so I think that AC chelation is pretty much the way most parents go. There are other more intensive forms of chelation like IV chelation, which nobody really does for their kids. Um, adults do it, but kids generally don't. Um, there are other ways to chelate. There, there are other you know, chlorella, cilantro, a lot of people are using zeolite. Um, there's a really popular zeolite product on the market right now for chelating. Um, and so those are options too. Um, what people worry about in terms of, um, you know, problems that can occur with chelation is are the, um, are the, the, uh, detoxification channels open. So you can stir up metals in the body, but is the body going to properly get rid of them? So metals generally store in the fat and in the tissues. And so if you start to kind of pull them out of the fat and the tissues, is the body going to poop, pee, or sweat it out? <laughs> and um, if, if the child doesn't have the ability to detox properly and you stir up the metals, you're just going to like make problems. So you want to make sure that they're having proper elimination, um, like, for example, they're not constipated and pooping once a week, um, you know, that they, you can do things to kind of increase their sweating. Sweating is an amazing way to get rid of heavy metals, so infrared sauna uh, is a good way to bring that about. Um, metals often correlate with yeast and parasites. So sometimes like there's this idea that you're dealing with pans and underneath that is just basically all this yeast and parasites causing these issues and if we don't get rid of the metals we can't get rid of it's 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 hard to say. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. It's hard to say if you know what causes what the chicken or the egg. Um but um but sometimes there is, you know, you you have to um try to understand, well, is it an issue of metals turning into parasites and yeast? Should we address yeast and parasites as well? It gets a little complex. <laughs> oh, it's all, very, it's all so complicated. So here, I'm going to give you um, a case. Okay. So I, at eight years old, uh, this boy did chelation, IV chelation. It's the Butar method. And um, he he just exploded with language like it was just amazing for about 48 hours and that is remind it sort of reminds me of someone who's had you know heroin or something they had this great high the first time they did something so there was a really great first response and because of that the the family's hooked and has been the child is now turning 16 and has been doing uh, chelation since so that's eight years and has been doing it um, probably twice a month regularly. 
uh-huh. except for the times when I can prevent it because now we've got all kinds of other symptoms and issues and discussions and all this stuff going on. So um, the you know things that are happening now are very sort of uh, Tourette's and schizophrenic-like, and I do believe it's as a result of pulling too much out all the time. And so I want I want to hear um, your thoughts on this and and what you think that might do to the body. Yeah, you can certainly chelate too much, and I think that's the problem with IV chelation is that it can kind of go too hard too fast. Um, and and when you chelate, you're pulling out, you know, also minerals that your body needs. Um, and um, I think you just always have to be mindful that the terrain of the body will shift. And um, my approach is just, it's pretty usually gentle, um, and um, and things can shift quickly um, and um, my guess is just hearing that that doing that heavy amount of it is probably something just needed to be adjusted for on that like uh, my sense is that you know or um, or you could do chelation in another way like I, I do I do do homeopathic chelation too so um, in much the same way of trying to neutralize um, vaccines, um, you can neutralize um, metals with homeopathy in a way that you're triggering the body's ability to detox it, to recognize it and detoxify it. So I had a child that I was seeing in in Asia um, over Skype and her mercury was off the chart. You know, it's supposed to be like below four and it was like 50, you know, like the red line just shot off the page. <laughs> and, um, and the only thing I did with her was give Mercurius 12C uh, twice a day. And it all, within six months, it was down to below four. So, I mean, it, what happened was crazy rashes. I mean, eczema, like beyond like eczema. But it was all coming out of her skin. Um, and it was a lot better than in her body. So um, she did detoxify it through her skin, and it was intense to have that kind of skin rash. Um, but the mom knew that she was improving, so that was good. So there are other ways that you can deal with metals too. I would say, um, I would say to you know to maybe try a, a gentler method. And, absolutely and no, absolutely, of- and and you know what? That's findable when people Google it. But here's what I what I'd like to play with a little bit, because it's not so findable. So when you when I you know when I'm trying to help parents, I really love it when they can Google and look and research and become experts, and we become sort of cooperative together and helping each other. But when you try to find what the negative results are of long-term IV chelation, it's not very findable. It's just not, it's a very sort of difficult needle in a haystack. You have to know what you're looking at when you read it kind of search. And so I think just for the benefits of any parents who are going, well, I can't really find anything that negative about it. I'd love to talk about that. What do you think? I know I have my ideas, but what do you think could happen to the body with that much long-term chelation, pulling it out always in an IV basis? Well, I think you have to realize that a lot of these therapies haven't been around for a long time. Like, how long have we been doing IV chelation for? I don't think for, like, longer than two decades. Probably not. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But, um, you know, and they're, it, and, they're, and they aren't mainstream therapies, so there aren't studies being done. Um, 
So it's impossible to say, you know, somebody who has a bad effect from it isn't going to kind of report that to the FDA. It's just not happening. Um, so, you know, you have to use, like with any therapy, any choice you make, you have to develop your own kind of wisdom and internal kind of uh, guiding system to, to help you down the right path. It's never a black and white, you know, this is it, you know, and this is going to solve all of our problems. It's, it's going to be a, a, a zigzag path, <laughs> and um, you have to make wise choices along the way. So I would say, I would, you know, we, we, we need to be our own kind of doctors and scientists on this I path, agree. too, and think, well, what makes sense? Um, so, you know, and that's why parents are learning so much from shows like yours. Yeah, I think it's just really hard, though, for somebody when they've had a really good start to something to let go of it. I've seen so many parents with so many vitamins and supplements and different things in their cupboards, like more than their clothes. And it's it's just like it worked once, and I don't ever want to give it up, so they just keep adding and adding and adding. The child has no room for food. (laughs) And they can have a kid that's on, like, 60 different things, and then then they're worse off. And what you have to realize is that the body can accommodate only so much the liver has to process all of that. The kidneys have to process all of that. And I've seen a lot of kids where the problem is everything that they're on. So, you know, sometimes the, 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 it's pulling things away um, that's going to make the difference and being really mindful while you're doing it. Sometimes I think some of the therapies out there are this kind of hopeful placebo kind of thing, you know, where we're like throwing so much this is going to be the cure, you know, and you believe in it, and it, and then it works as long as you believe in it. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it, it just shows you the power of belief. Like, maybe if we just continue to believe, you know. So um, we have to, yeah, we have to really just be mindful. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And change isn't linear as much as we'd like it to be. So you're right, it's a zigzag path. Well, we're almost out of time. This sucks. Okay, so let's just close on the concept of family therapy. Now, myself, I go and work with whole families. It's kind of a prerequisite um, for me. And I like to work with the whole family. I'll just lay my thing out there, and then you can lay yours. Because I find that one of the challenges in autism is helping people um, generalize and, and creating a congruent environment and um, asking, <clears throat> asking a child to do something that you don't ask a parent to do. So when everybody shifts, it feels like it goes really fast. So yeah. I like to just work with the whole mess and yeah. clean it all up. So uh, what is your reasoning? Oh, 100% because, you know, I started working with kids and then I talked to the moms and I'm realizing how much their issues are exactly the same issues as the kid. And then I'm thinking, well, I need to treat this in the mom because in homeopathy, we're treating mental, emotional and physical at the same time. So I'm really delving into kind of the emotional terrain of the mother and you're seeing how much it impacts the child. So you have to. I mean, I just and and it's important to recognize that when mom is blocked or when parent is blocked, 
in their own spiritual, emotional evolution in life, that's when the child gets blocked. So if you're staring at your kid and thinking, what's wrong? Why can't I figure this out? Look at yourself. You know, like, where are you stuck? You know, my kid's right. not socializing. Right. Well, are you socializing? <laughs> hey, were you looking at me? <laughs> uh, you know, kids who, like, sit at desk jobs all day and their kid isn't, like, in their body. It's like, well, you're not in your body either. So it's like... You know, it's it's really not to like make that like a guilt thing because it's it's also it's like it's intergenerational. It's parents, parents, parents. You know, it goes back and back, and we're here to stop that. And right. you know, and um, it's not a guilt thing. It's like, hey, let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And and since there's a genetic component, duh, you know, there's probably going to yeah. be some same stuff that will all benefit, which is a beautiful thing. Um, okay, we are at the end of our time. You've been a fantastic guest. Thanks for bouncing all over with me. So this is your moment in the sun to share your website, any products you want to tell people about that you think will help them, and um, just a last thought. You know, something sort of a takeaway that people can hang on to when they uh, walk away from the show and say, oh, yeah, that'll make a difference in my life. I, your takeaway, which is treat the whole family, moms, nourish yourselves, um, you know, heal yourselves, find your um, inner intuition, tap into your intuition, get out of your head sometimes, get into your heart space. And uh, really connect to your child through your heart and, um, and start to intuit things on your own. And then you'll find a truer path um, instead of getting confused. So that's my last thought is, is really coming into the heart space, clearing your mind, connecting to your child through the heart and intuiting your way forward. Um, my website's uh, AngelicaLemke.com, www.angelicalemke.com. And um, that's all I need for the sun. Um, but I really appreciate you having me, and um, it was great. Well, and I appreciate you you being here and putting up with being called Angelica, Angelica. Yeah. And, but I mean, it reads like that to me. I apologize. All right. Thank you so much for having a good nature about that, for being so informative, and for making giving us your time. Thank you. Sure. I hope it helps. It will. Well, that was Angelica Lemke. Just listen to her say it, and then we'll, we'll be good. Let's go with Dr. Lemke. That's easy. Okay, that was Dr. Lemke, and she was fantastic. She was really good at flowing with me. That can be really hard for people. Uh, just so for all of you to know the backstory to radio shows is very often what people like to have is a written question, that, and then they prepare their answer, and then a written question, prepare the answer. I never let my guests have any of that. It's sort of like if you're coming on my show, it's a free-for-all. I'm just going to ask you questions that flow and that are up for me and that I think fit a theme that my people need to hear about. So uh, anybody on my show really has to know their stuff, and I think you can hear it when they don't. So uh, she really did, and that was really useful. I think there's much more to gain from her. If I was you, I would check out her website and you know maybe get a little word of advice from her. I think uh, I might follow up on that one. Okay, I want to I want you to finish something before I do stories from the road. I want to remind you that okay, 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 I'm giving the great guest giveaway. It's the belated Mother's Day gift. So and you can have anything I have to offer but I'm only going to do it once. So um, really, if you're smart, you'll do Fix It in five DVDs. 
So uh, first person to send me an email uh, at mom, number four, evermore, at juno, J-U-N-O, dot com, with belated Mother's Day in the subject line can name their prize, and I will send it out to you for free. And that is my Mother's Day gift to you, and I'm sorry it's late. I, I just got behind on my projects here. So uh, all the more fun. It's kind of, then you'll have gotten what you got, and then you'll get this too. So it'll be perfect. Okay, so time for Stories from the Road. Uh, I want to close up the sort of the open-ended discussion that I had with Dr. Lemke that didn't sort of answer what happens or what could happen or what's the possibilities of chelating for too long. And what I'd like to say on that is that you have to think about when she was describing about pulling the the heavy metals out of the body and pulling it out of fat and, you know, the different things that are then happening in the body. One of the things, if you really go back and listen, that you can understand is that too much of us helping can prevent the body from learning how to do it itself. Now, this is true whether you're talking about chelation, whether you're talking about drugs, whether you're talking about supplements, whether you're talking about behavior therapy. Too much of us helping prevents the person from learning how to do it themselves, head to toe, inside out. So you really always want to check on what you're continuing to do out of habit, what you're continuing to do out of fear, what you're continuing to do um, because you have so much hope that it'll work because you've backed it so long and don't want to admit you were wrong. There's lots of reasons to continue something long beyond when it was useful. And then sometimes just use logic and ask yourself a question like, is that too much pulling stuff out of somebody's veins? And I'm pushing other stuff back in. And would we, do we as doctors know everything there is to know? Are we able to pull everything out with an IV and then put in all the good stuff again? Because that's the concept. And, and that's assuming that, that we didn't miss anything, that we aren't uh, pulling everything out and missing one element that has to go back in. And over time, that missing element becomes a huge issue. And I believe we never know it all. So you shouldn't stay at something that long. I really don't think that's a good plan. Um, Maybe as a maintenance or something, but certainly not that regular. Okay. Just my thoughts. I just wanted to close that gap. I could get into it for you and say, okay, there's, you know, there's the calcium, the magnesium, the potassium. The, you know, we could get into how they affect each other. But I've talked about that on other shows, and we, we did enough doctor talk for you for one day, I think. So I'm going to tell you now a story from the road, and this road is actually uh, Lebanon. So. Uh, I have a client in Lebanon, uh, not the one I've talked to you about before, a different one, but um, he's showing signs of schizophrenia. So I've seen schizophrenia show up in, let's see, maybe seven of my the kids that I work with, and then also many have come to me where uh, they had the schizophrenia symptoms, and then most of the kids that I work with have some form of schizophrenic hallucination, whether it's a auditory one or a visual one or just some of the behavioral things that happen with schizophrenia. Now, years ago, they used to think that autism was childhood schizophrenia, especially the lower functioning kids. And they just, that's what they called it, childhood schizophrenia. And then, and then they separated it and then different things were labeled, you know, then there was the Asperger's and the way. So it, it's had its, 
story, its history, uh, and its evolution before it became a spectrum. And somewhere along the way, a lot of this sort of schizoaffective disorder aspect of autism has gotten lost. So here's what I just want to tell you. So I met this child, and I'm working with this child, and he hits the onset age for either Tourette's or schizophrenia or whatever, and some of the schizophrenic sh symptoms show up, and we treat them. So with neurofeedback, I can treat those symptoms. I've treated several schizophrenics that are just schizophrenics. I've treated, I was even going to do my dissertation on it, but it fell apart. The clinic changed their mind. Um, it's a very effective therapy for schizophrenia. So when that sort of shows up, I work with it, and we usually get a handle on it, no problem, uh, though it takes time. So when I say no problem, I don't mean, you know, in an afternoon, and I don't even mean in a month. But I do mean that every time they do a session, the, the difficulties are alleviated, and then they come back and they do another session, and eventually you retrain the sort of the direction the brain is going, and you train it to go a different direction. And the symptoms dis dissipate and disappear, and a trauma shows up, maybe they come back and you do it again, and it goes away. So it's sort of doable, easy, from in my book, what I call easy. Uh, and so when it showed up on, on this little guy, I was just kind of no problem for me. You know, I didn't even feel the feeling of panic or fear. And uh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that I'm in a place of knowing about that, that I have this life experience behind me that says, oh, we can deal with that or oh, we can deal with this. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of excited, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then we'll do something with that. And somewhere in this sort of verbal diarrhea I was having with the parents, and it was emotional diarrhea of excitement, and I love a challenge, and here it's going to be, and I already love this kid, and I already love this family. I, I sort of see their expression, and I go, oh, I've gotten too far away from where I originally came from. I've forgotten how scary it is, how awful it all is. And it's only like that because you don't know. But once you, it's like the, the plight of parenting, is that we don't get to know the, the end of the story till we're at the end of the story. And we don't get to know what's possible until we make it possible. There's, it's, a, it's a faith job. You just have to know and believe and keep going and keep your, you know, your head about you and just keep working at it. Um, but you won't know that it's going to be okay until it is. And I'm there in the home knowing it's going to be okay. As long as you stay with me and we work it, it's going to be okay. And so this gap can sometimes sort of come up and bite me in the rear end. And it did that day. And I looked at their faces and I, you know, I thought, well... I got to go back to my beginnings again and remember what this feels like. And I slowed down and I apologized. And so the story from the road today isn't so much about the schizophrenia that happened. The story from the road is more about the challenge of your therapist who has a whole lot of different information from what you do. You have the 24-hour a day with your child, hopes and fears and exhaustions and, and survival skills, and they have all the sort of distance view of learning and education and experience of person after person after person. And so they know a different arc to healing than you do. They know a different arc to what's possible, and they have a different buy-in. Sometimes 
ours and yours creates a gap, even though I'm a mom too. And that's what I was reminded of that day is to get back into my mom's shoes because it's when I'm in my mom's shoes that I'm the best use for you. And I think that that, if I'm going to give you a takeaway from today's story from the road, it's that that's when I'm not as effective as a therapist. Whenever I forget my mom's shoes, that's when a client can get away from me and and do chelation for too long and I end up going, shoot, I forgot to wear my mom's shoes. (laughs) And as soon as I'm I'm with you again and and we're just parents together, um, I get heard, I get listened to. And I'm able to teach again. And I'm able to reach the conclusions that I want to reach. And that's where I did my original magic, was as a mom. So as you educate, as you research, as you learn, if you're a, a therapist listening, even if you never had kids, you've got to get into the, the parent's shoes. You know, if you're a guy, you have to get into the dad's shoes. You have to get into the parent's shoes and say, what are they experiencing right now and how can I best serve them? And when we do that, the smallest, just like homeopathy, the smallest, most diluted thing can be the most powerful moment. And beliefs matter. Perceptions matter. And if you really want to understand what they do to our brains and our bodies, you can watch a wonderful, it's an, it's an hour long, but it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful bit on exactly what happens to your body and your brain when uh, you have a belief. And you can, it's, called, it's called How Our Beliefs Affect Our Body and Biology. And it's a full-length documentary. You can purchase the book, but you can just watch it on YouTube. It's really, really fantastic. It's not, uh, you know, about woo-woo stuff. It's a doctor sitting there going through every single bit. It's Bruce Lipton, Ph.D., and he goes through every little bit of how science has been misdirected about the effect of a belief and how a belief affects you, and it's really, really wonderful. It's worth the watch. So I suggest it. That's my gift to you today to remember to watch that. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. You've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. Should you chelate forever in order to get rid of pens? You shouldn't do anything forever. You should always be on your toes. Thank you for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.